the Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. I am your host, Chris Raybon, and today's episode is our NFL draft grades for the AFC, where we will go through every team in the conference, evaluate their draft selections, and hand out a letter grade at the end. And to do that, I'll be getting the help of our old friend, our compadre, our brother from another here at the pod, Matthew Friedman, the director of content at Fantasy Pros, Matt F. The Oracle on Twitter. Matt, good to see you, man. What's going on? Yeah, good to see you. Uh, shout out Matt Mitchell for uh, bringing me back to the show. It's always good to uh, to reconnect with the the old friends here at Action. Uh, it's better collective now, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's good to be on the show here talking with you. Awesome. Yeah, man. So uh, I know you're a big, uh, you really like to get into the draft. Um, you know, we, I remember during a pandemic, we kind of, that, that content kind of carried us through, man. We were talking draft every day. Um, so I, I know you're going to have thoughts. So uh, we're, we're going to get right into it. We're going to go division by division here. And uh, let's start with the AFC East. And I'm going to start with the, probably the, the most newsworthy team of the AFC East. And that's the New York Jets. We know they acquired Aaron Rodgers. And um, let me ask you this before we get into them, you know, when you have a team like the Jets, you know, maybe the Broncos who made these big acquisitions that also involve draft picks, do you kind of uh, factor that into your grades? Yeah, I'm thinking of Aaron Rodgers as being, you know, kind of quote unquote, a part of this draft class. So that factors into it. I have them as a, a B plus, you know, solid B plus, you know, uh, part of it is that I think they've really kind of screwed themselves by uh, allowing uh, the Packers to fleece them with the the 15 to 13 swap. Uh, and that ended up being significant because they really wanted a tackle to be able to protect, mm-hmm. you know, your 40 year old, maybe 41 year old quarterback at this point in Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and Broderick Jones was no longer available there, uh, the left tackle they were targeting. And so I would say that they kind of panicked a little bit and they took Will McDonald, who is a totally fine player, edge rusher, you know, someone who can help their defense. But uh, it felt like they took him a little bit too early. They came back strong in the second round with Joe Tipman as center who can you know plug in right away as a starter. Um, you know, Israel uh, Epikinanda, uh, they were pretty strong in, in getting him. I think he was like a quality player in the, the fifth round as a running back out of pit. And then I would say like one of the steals of the draft, Old Dominion tied in Zach Kuntz. They got him in the seventh round. And this dude was like, like athleticism, so important at the tight end position, like all world athleticism, like the most athletic tight end uh, out of like the past 20 years. And this is like coming from the class that's maybe like the best tight end class that, that we've seen entering the NFL. So, you know, I would say, you know, what they did in the first round was suboptimal, but what they did after that was pretty good. And getting, you know, Aaron Rodgers as the guy who could potentially catapult them into the playoffs and maybe contention for a Super Bowl, that's pretty strong. So, you know, B plus, I feel like kind of like splitting the uh, the difference there between screwing up in the first round, but getting Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. 
Yeah, I you know, I'm a little bit down on the Jets, um, the way they went about it, only because I, I do think that, that you know, as you mentioned, not getting the tackle and combining that with you know the 40-year-old quarterback, who by the way had one of his worst seasons last year. Like, I think that actually knocks them a little more for me because you know it, it's kind of you kind of have to take it together. Like, there's no synergy now with your acquisition and what you did in the draft as much. Um, so yeah, they're probably more like a B minus. C plus to me, but uh, let's go to Buffalo here because Buffalo, you know, they started out with, you know, I know, I know us that are in the fantasy are kind of interested in this. They, they go tight end Dalton Kincaid in the first round. What'd you think of that? And what's your grade for them? It, it was a weird move. I'm giving them a B, um, you know, Dalton Kincaid, really athletic uh, tight end, you know, more of uh, a big bodied slot receiver versus a, a true inline tight end. And he can challenge vertically, through the slot. And so that is something that I think is going to give the bills more playmaking ability, but at the same time, he is a tight end. We have seen players at that position. I wouldn't say struggle, but take more time to transition into the league than we would if it's a, a wide receiver or a running back or, you know, other skill positions. So, you know, I'm a little bit uncertain about that. Also, they just signed Dawson Knox, like to, to a contract. So, you know, like they don't, it wasn't like a position of need. I don't think they actually needed another playmaking tight end. But, you know, that said, if they go more of a two tight end set, uh, you know, maybe that gives them a little more muscle in the running game and they still have two playmakers at the tight end position. So maybe that challenges defense and uh, defenses in ways that are kind of harder to address. Uh, and then Osiris Torrance, uh, the guard that they picked up in the second round, like that was a that was a great pick. You know, he conceivably could have gone near the bottom of the first round. And that guy is a powerful, uh, just run blocking machine. Uh, and so I think that was a great pick. Uh, after that, it's a little bit of whatever, not, nothing really special with what they did. But, you know, Kincaid is a playmaker and Torrance was a really strong pick in the second round. So I'm giving them like a, a solid B. I don't think I don't think the Kincaid integration into the offense is going to go as smoothly as they might think. But he's still a playmaker. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you there. I think I think ideally Buffalo in a better wide receiver class might have gone receiver with that with that pick for Kincaid but if you look kind of just at who they drafted top to bottom they really did go about filling needs I mean it was you know it was tight end it was wide receiver it was linebacker and it was you know interior line so they did a good job of that it's just the guys got to pan out so we'll, we'll see how that goes uh then we got the Miami Dolphins um you know this team is you know they're coming off a playoff burst so they're, they're trying to compete in this suddenly loaded ASC East uh, they didn't have many picks, so uh, they start in second round with uh, corner Cam Smith out of South Carolina. Uh, what did you think of their draft uh, with the four picks only uh, throughout the seven rounds? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they had no picks. I mean, part of their first round class is not having Tom Brady, you know, right. Like that, so, you know, that they get dinged for that. You know, they, they traded uh, a pick away for Bradley Chubb, you know, traded picks for Tyree Kill, traded a pick for Jeff Wilson uh, and traded a pick for Jalen Ramsey, you know? So all of those guys are kind of taken into account here a little bit. Uh, the Cam Smith pick, you know, he, I wouldn't say he was a borderline round one, round two guy, but he had gotten a little bit of round one discussion. So getting him, uh, you know, near the end of round two, there's certainly some value there. And then Devon A-Chain out of Texas A&M, the running back they drafted in the third round. 
I love that pick. Like they're just building speed on speed in that offense. And like that dude is legit track star, but he's also got like some football to him. Like he's not just a guy who can run really fast that they put in the backfield. Like he can play a little bit dirty, like in the way that he attacks linebackers when he's running at them. Like I actually like his game a little bit and like a best of world scenario, he turns into Chris Johnson. Now, like that's not likely to happen. Right. But like, he's more than just a dude who can run really fast, but he can also run really fast. Like Tyreek Hill, like adjacent type of speed. So him as a, a guy that maybe he's not getting, you know, like 15 touches a game, but even if he's just getting like five carries a game and four targets a game, like that could be enough within the flow of that offense. So I like that a lot. So, you know, giving them uh, a, a B minus here, uh, they don't have many picks, but I feel like with the, the two top picks they did have, they actually maximize them. Yeah. And I think once you factor in, you know, Ramsey, Chubb, like the, the fact that those guys, you know, picks were, were used on those guys. I, I do think there's some upside to this team this year. It, you know, obviously it's, a lot is going to depend on, you know, whether Tua is able to to stay healthy, but like, I don't actually put this draft. I, I know people are going to look at the picks and say there's only four. I don't put this draft as far behind a team like the Jets as some people, because I think, you know, a lot of it is just how the roster came together. And I, I see a high upside defense and I see a high upside offense you know, when it's all said and done and, you know, you talk about, you know, the back in the third round and that could be another upside pick. So yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not too down on Miami um, myself. Let, let's talk New England here. Uh, New England, it, you know, they're suddenly looking at potentially being in the cellar of, of this division. Uh, they start out with cornerback Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon with the 17th overall pick. what do you think of the Patriots? Yeah. So the first two picks were really intriguing. Christian Gonzalez, that was a fantastic steal that they got. Like there were some, some scenarios in which he could have gone, you know, as high as like number six or something like that. Uh, certainly could have gone like, you know, number 12, 13, he ends up falling to them to 17 with them trading back uh, and accumulating more draft capital. So fantastic pick there and addresses a big need. And then their second pick, Keon White, uh, defensive lineman out of Georgia Tech, who's got some inside-outside versatility. You know, he could have gone in round one. He was actually invited to the draft, so it was one of those guys in the green room who didn't go on day one. And when they drafted him, you could tell he was pissed. You know, like he just looked like a guy who's going to take it out on the rest of the league. So I thought they got great value in those two. And then they had 10 picks after that where they just did like, typical Patriots things where it's like, all right, you drafted that guy a round and a half higher than you needed to. Congratulations. You just traded up for a kicker. What are you doing? Ugh, Why yeah. are you taking a punter in the sixth round? You know, like Bill Belichick knows more football than I do clearly, but I will say just in terms of like value, what they did uh, starting in the third round on, they just, they were not addressing uh, the draft board uh, that everyone else was looking at. So I'm giving them a C plus there. They, you know, for the, the picks that mean the most, they did well after that. It, it was uh, pretty underwhelming. Yeah. It seemed like they were kind of drafting to, to, to fill the roster and drafting for need. And maybe, you know, when you have a lot of picks, maybe that's just the philosophy. Um, but yeah, it's going to depend on those top picks hitting. At least they didn't take a wide receiver in, in round one or something like that. Cause then we would have been reason for reason for concern in, in Foxborough yet again, but uh, let's jump to the AFC North. And I know that you really liked the Cincinnati Bengals draft. Yeah. Giving them an A uh, this was, this was a beautiful draft. 
Um, you know, they let the board fall to them. They took Miles Murphy in the first round, the Clemson edge. And you wouldn't say like edge was a, a big need for them, but at the same time, it's, you know, almost impossible to have too many strong pass rushers. And when a guy of that caliber falls down the board to you, you know, you, you take him. And then DJ Turner, the Michigan cornerback, they took him in the second round. You know, this dude is, is freaky at, at the cornerback position, six, three, uh, the longest arms out of any cornerback ever recorded at the combine. Uh, fantastic athletic profile. Uh, I think he fits in really well. And then in the third round, they took Alabama safety, Jordan Battle, you know, four-year starter in the SEC. He plugs in right away. In the fourth round, Purdue wide receiver Charlie Jones, uh, you know, who eventually can maybe take over for Tyler Boyd. He can serve as a kick returner. In the fifth round, Illinois running back uh, Chase Brown, who's big, fast can catch the ball. So he, he fits in like perfect compliments or backup to Joe Mixon there. And then in the sixth round, Princeton wide receiver, Andre Isovis, who was just uh, like a spark score uh, masterpiece. Uh, and, you know, coming from Princeton, probably not going to make a, a real impact, um, but he's got significant upside and he could be like an ace special teamer right away. So it was just, you know, just nailed this draft. The Cincinnati Bengals really impressed with what they did. Yeah, it seemed like they had a perfect kind of combination of filling needs, but actually playing the board. And especially, you know, when you're drafting, was it 25th? Uh, I think that's impressive. So I uh, like the Bengals draft as well. And I know another team that you liked uh, p- perhaps even more than the Cincinnati Bengals uh, was a team I, I kind of like coming into the draft, too. I thought their squad would look a lot better after the draft. And it seems like you, you agree. And that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, uh, A plus for them. Uh, and, you know, the difference between like an A A plus uh, Broderick Jones, you know, they jumped over the jets, uh, like magnificent timing of the draft and just kind of all around awareness of how the board was falling because they had two needs entering the draft, offensive tackle and cornerback, the, the tier, the clear two top needs. And they could see, okay, this is the place where we should move up go get the offensive tackle because cornerbacks are falling down the board a little bit. We saw with Christian Gonzalez falling down to the Patriots at 17. They could see cornerbacks were starting to fall. So they jumped up ahead of the Jets who had number 15. They jumped up to 14, took Broderick Jones, who slots in right away as a left tackle. Now they're solidified along the offensive line. And then with their second pick, number 32, getting Joey Porter Jr., the cornerback and and legacy right uh from Penn State there getting him to uh to fill the other big need that they had at cornerback uh fantastic drafting there and then in the third round getting Georgia tight end Darnell Washington who is like a Martellus Bennett type like big guy fantastic athleticism uh he probably never will turn into like a true number one tight end but that guy's going to be a monster as a supplemental number two tight end who can uh, I think stretch the scene because he's so athletic but then also just be a monster as a blocker so fantastic draft for for them and the way they moved around to to get these players uh I mean other guys I'm not mentioning but man I I loved what the, the Steelers were doing yeah, I did as well. I think the only thing I'm missing from the Steelers is I, I like to see them take a, a wide receiver and, yeah. you know, day two or, or day three, just because they've been so good at kind of picking out guys, you know, further down the board at that position. And I thought, you know, signing uh, or acquiring Allen Robinson, I don't think that's really the answer. I know they still got Austin 
uh, from a year ago who we've never seen play in this league yet. But I thought that was the only thing that was a little disappointing. But overall, yeah, gr- great draft for the Steelers. Uh, and this is going to be an extremely competitive division, as we know, because Baltimore gets their QB uh, in Lamar Jackson. And then they already have OBJ, who will see how much he can give them. But, you know, they start the first round and, and they go get a wide receiver for Lamar. What do you think of the Baltimore Ravens? Yeah, the Ravens, I'm giving them a, a solid B here. You know, uh, in the first round, they went and got Zay Flowers, who I think is going to slot in pretty nicely with the wide receivers they have there. And, you know, I will say, even though maybe it, like at first glance doesn't seem like they needed a wide receiver, you know, you have Mark Andrews as a really strong pass catching tight end. And then you signed Ono Beckham Jr. And you have Rashad Bateman, a first rounder from a few years ago, who's returning. Isaiah Likely is a really strong number two. And then Nelson Aguilar as a, a you know, decent complimentary receiver that you brought in through free agency. You might look at that and say like, we don't need one, but Zay Flowers, I love the draft pick because he can play inside. He can play outside. You know, he's, he's smaller, but he doesn't play small and he's got good athleticism for his size. And I mean, I'm not going to trust Odo Beckham Jr. And Rashad Bateman as, as the top two wide receivers in that offense. I think Zay Flowers could actually be the number one wide receiver for them this year. And so I think, you know, it's important to get a guy like that uh, for their new quarterback playing in that, you know, that air raid offense with new offensive coordinator, Todd Monken. And then, you know, they address the defensive side of the ball, replacing Roquan Smith uh, or actually, sorry, supplementing Roquan Smith with uh, linebacker uh, Trenton Simpson, who, uh, you know, could have. I wouldn't say he could have been a first rounder, but he was kind of in that mix of like off ball linebackers who might be able to sneak into round one. And so to get someone like that in round three, I think provided really good value. And then the last guy that they drafted uh, seventh rounder uh, offensive guard, Andrew Voorhees from USC. Uh, he tore, uh, I think his ACL uh, at the combine. And so like, he's kind of red shirting for this year, but if not for that, like he could have been a top hundred pick. So I, I think getting a, a value like that in the seventh round, letting him sit for a year and then knowing that you can kind of plug him into your offensive line the next year. I think that's pretty good value there. Yeah. I think Baltimore, another team that working with somewhat limited resources did a pretty good job of filling all their needs. And, and I'll say this, I don't think anybody that's a Baltimore Ravens fan would ever at first glance look at this team and say they don't need a wide receiver. I think I, I think <laughs> if they drafted a wide receiver in the first round for the next like five years, I don't think anybody in Baltimore yeah. would be too, too mad after what they've been through uh, th- these last few years at, at that position. Uh, the Cleveland Browns, uh, this was a team that you were not so high on uh, coming out of the draft. Their first pick uh, is wide receiver Cedric Tillman, but that's not until the third round. What do you think of the Browns? Yeah, I gave them a C. And so part of it is, you know, Deshaun Watson. He is included in this class. You know, so they traded away a first rounder, traded away a second rounder, gave him a massive contract, entirely guaranteed. And last year, he massively underwhelmed. Now, let's assume that he's going to be significantly better this year, but still, you know, not having those draft picks and having that massive contract dedicated towards him guaranteed that knocks it down a little bit for me. But with the players they did bring in, I actually do like these guys quite a bit. Cedric Tillman, wide receiver out of Tennessee, big bodied guy with decent athleticism who is productive. Uh, you know, I think he could compete to be a starting wide receiver for them. Uh, Siaki, Ika, uh, you know, Baylor defensive tackle, like big bodied run suffer. And then Dewan Jones, 
offensive tackle out of Ohio State. You know, there are some concerns about him just in terms of, you know, like work ethic and stuff like that. You know, like, is he going to be able to, to maintain his weight? But man, getting him in the fourth round, like that is a significant value pick right there because he could actually come in and be a starter. So I like the guys that they got. It's just that, man, like those are guys that you're getting in the third and fourth round. And Deshaun Watson is uh, a little uncertain as the face of your franchise. All right, let's jump to the AFC South, which, uh, you know, I think on a yearly basis seems Seems like it was the Colts and Titans, and, and then now the Jaguars are kind of at the head of that division. But uh, the team that really stood out to you was the Indianapolis Colts. And I, I personally, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this, but I know Anthony Richardson's far from a finished product. I know all the, the downsides to him, but I just thought after Bryce Young in this in this quarterback class, I, I think you, you kind of want to take a chance here because I don't think anyone was a sure thing uh, outside of Young. So I'm curious to what you thought of the Richardson pick and then what you thought of the Colts draft as a whole. Yeah, so for at least a month, there was the Will Levis to the Colts smoke. And I would say that the Colts, I'm giving them an A-plus for a few reasons, one of which is that they sidestepped that landmine and went with Anthony Richardson, who, as you say, like, the upside is tremendous. Like, this is the most athletic. I mean, maybe maybe Michael Vick, right? But, like, mm-hmm. setting aside that, like, we have never seen a guy at the quarterback position who is this big, who is also this fast, right? Like who combines that size and the speed and, uh, and he's got the youth, he's just 21 years old. Uh, and so there's, there's room for the, the maturation and the upside with him. And so putting him with a guy who helped develop Jalen hurts. I absolutely love that. And then in the second round, Kansas state cornerback, Julius Brents, he slots in as an immediate starter. He's got great length. Uh, North Carolina wide receiver, Josh Downs. Like, I don't want to uh, compare him to T.Y. Hilton because for me, that's like a, a sacred comparison. I love T.Y. Hilton, but like he he can step in immediately and be a very strong receiver out of the slot. BYU offensive tackle, Blake Freeland, like very strong swing tackle who actually might have the capability of slotting in at right tackle. Uh, and then they, they can move uh, their current right tackle into the interior, which actually just strengthens the entirety of the offensive line. And then for them, the big steal, Northwestern defensive tackle, Tommy Adebaware, uh, who's got like great capability, uh, just a physical freak with how big he is and how fast he is. And then he's got some uh, some flexibility. He can, you know, he maybe he's an edge, maybe he's a defensive tackle. Like he's kind of this tweener, which like I think is why he fell in the draft. But, you know, if you've got uh, a good defensive coach, maybe they figure out like a creative way of how to use him. Getting him in the fourth round, a significant value. And then they added like eight other picks after mm-hmm. that. A couple of those guys I think will be good depth. So absolutely love what they did starting at the top with Anthony Richardson and then going all the way down through the draft. So a plus for the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. You know, the Colts, they've been kind of sitting there in purgatory in NFL purgatory for a while now. And it finally bottomed out last year. And, you know, I didn't know how exactly it was going to go, but I I really do like them coming out of the draft because I think they did exactly what they needed to do. They, they addressed needs, but they also took shots on upside and, you know, in this kind of division, it's not going to take probably more than nine, 10 games necessarily uh, to, to win this division. So I think they improved their defense. I think they have a shot at quarterback now. And uh, yeah, I like the downs pick as well. So um, like what the Colts did. What about the Titans? You like them not as much as the Colts, but more than any other team uh, in this division. Yeah, this uh, the draft for this entire division felt a little bit mediocre. Uh, the Titans, I'm giving them uh, a B. Um 
you know, Will Levis, they were able to get him in the second round. So I think that's significant value there. They could have taken him in the first at, at number 11. And, you know, I don't think anyone would have blinked, but Will Levis just did not feel like the kind of quarterback who really should go that high in the draft. But I think he probably, you know, should have been a first rounder, you know, like any somewhere in the twenties, getting him at number 33. I think there's some value there. And then at number 11, taking Peter Skaronsky, who I think is the best, just kind of raw, uh, just general offensive lineman in this draft. You know, there are questions about whether he's a tackle, you know, the arm length maybe means that he needs to kick into guard, but I think that dude could be a really strong offensive tackle in the NFL. And if not, then fine, you move him inside and he, you know, could be like a Zach Martin type of uh, offensive guard. So I like what they did there, but after that, there really wasn't all that much that's encouraging, but you know, Hey, I think you did well with your first two picks that's deserving of a B. And I think Will Levis, even though he's a second rounder, I think he's going to start at some point you look at the history of guys taken in the second round you know like going even back to like Andy Dalton uh Jimmy Garoppolo uh Derek Card Jalen Hurts right one of the most recent examples guys taken in the second round at some point they get their chance to start and I think Will Levis is going to be starting sooner than later so getting a quarterback who has starting potential for you in the second round I think I think there's value there so B for the Tennessee Titans yeah, this is a, a pretty risky draft for them. I think this is going to be one of the ones where, you know, we, we're we going to have to go back and reevaluate this at some point because the one thing they did was they pretty much completely they, – they did completely ignore defense in this, in this draft. Every player they took was an offensive player. And, you know, th- listen, they've, they've been great at finding – even when their defensive guys get hurt, they've been great at finding guys on the practice squad to fill holes. Their defense always overperforms. I think that's – you know, something to do with Mike Vrabel as well. So they, they kind of said, hey, we're going to kind of lean on that and we're going to improve the side of the ball that does need improvement. And that is, is has been the reason that they've been held back. Because I remember they they played the Chiefs toe-to-toe with Malik Willis uh, starting at quarterback one of those weeks last year. So defense really is never the problem, but it's still a very interesting kind of strategy. And uh, a lot of it is going to depend on, you know, can that continue? And, you know, they got the new GM now as well. So can they keep finding guys to, you know, throw in there from the practice squad and things like that. So it, it's, I think it's one of them that it, the, the, this is an incomplete for me for, for Tennessee, but you know, you got to take some chances and uh, you know, they certainly had a, a, an interesting philosophy here. So we'll see how that, that pans out. Uh, the Jaguars, what'd you think of them? Um, you know, they kind of come in here with, you know, for once they got to defend this, uh, this, the, the division crown here. Uh, they didn't, they're not picking until 28th, uh, and they go Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma at offensive tackle. What'd you think of Jacksonville? Yeah. C plus, you know, so Cam Robinson, uh, he has a, a PED suspension and then they lost right tackle Jawan Taylor and free agency. So they needed to do something along the offensive line and they addressed it with uh, Anton Harrison, who, you know, earlier in the process, there were you know questions about, you know, would he be round two? He ended up going in round one. You know, he, he kind of flew up the draft boards the closer we got to the draft. Uh, so, you know, fine pick there. And then Penn State tied in Brenton Strange is the guy they went with in the second round. That was a little bit of a reach. And like also Evan Ingram, like they have him on a franchise tag and they're, you know, they're in conversations to extend him. So I didn't think they really needed to address that position. And then, I mean, they had 13 picks in this draft. All of the picks after that, a lot of them, it felt like there were a little bit of a reach here or there. And so I'm not really impressed, but the you know, one guy that I think they did get a value on Texas A&M safety, Antonio Johnson, who, you know, potentially could have been a, a top hundred pick getting him at pick number one sixty. I think there was value there, but 
it was a little bit underwhelming, you know, 13 picks. And I look at that and I don't think you have really any difference makers except for, you know, Anton Harrison. So I'm giving them a C plus. Yeah. You know, teams like this are always hard because we do know that, you know, over time it's been proven that, you know, from a GM perspective, uh, the skill in terms of select making good picks, it, it, it's tough to come by. It's more about, you know, having uh, a bunch of shots in the draft and, and a bunch of swings and the Jaguars, had that and, and I feel like we're seeing more and more teams that have a bunch of swings kind of go after their guys, which I think you know the original analytics behind it was okay, you have a bunch of swings and you still go kind of by the board and you take the best values and and that's how you kind of get the most uh, draft you amass the most draft capital. But it seems like a lot of teams are just kind of going for their guys and are not as concerned with okay, you know this is where I thought he was going to go and, and just kind of taking their quote unquote guys in the draft. And, and that's what it looks like the Jaguars did. Yeah. I, I would have, you know, liked to see them address the defensive side of the ball before a uh, day three. So um, they got a lot of picks on, on that side of the ball in on day three, but you know, we'll see if that pans out, but uh, yeah, we'd just like to see them go defense a little earlier. And, and then the Houston Texans, they kind of started off the draft with a bang here. Um, guess it was a smoke screen end up taking CJ Sproud at number two overall out of Ohio state after all at QB. And then they come right back uh, and trade for uh, trade up to three and go get Will Anderson uh, out of Alabama out on the edge. So what did you think of the Texans uh, you know, strategy here of going, getting the two and then, and then coming back with the three D plus. And I, I hate to say that because I really like CJ Stroud. He always should have been the pick at number two, unless you maybe wanted to go with Anthony Richardson. But CJ Stroud, if I were the Texans, that would have been the pick for me, and, and that would have been the end of it. That was not the case for the Texans. They wanted Will Anderson, right? That was the guy that they wanted. You have a, a new defensive coach there coming in. Mm-hmm, he wanted mm-hmm. his guy. Will Anderson was the one that they wanted to take at number two. And then you have ownership coming in saying, hey, we need a quarterback. And so they, you know, they made this trade so that they could uh, get Will Anderson at number three while taking CJ Stroud at number two, knowing that they couldn't take Stroud at three, because if they were to do that, then the price to trade up to number three would be even higher. But uh, I mean, the other option, the third option was just keep your pick at number 12 and draft a perfectly good edge rusher there, do that. And then keep your pick next year. Like, you know, what a novel concept. They, they traded away the future uh, because they wanted to take Will Anderson, which like, I get it. You like your guy, but man, like your team is bad. You traded away your first rounder next year. You could be the worst team in the league this year. Like that literally could be the number one pick that you traded away. So I think it was a horrible decision to do that. Again, even though I like Will Anderson, horrible decision to trade away your future pick. And then all of the other picks after this, I really disliked Uh, their center juice Scruggs, Penn state, you know, they took him in the second round. He should have been a third or fourth rounder wide receiver tank Dell out of Houston. I love him, but the dude is 165 pounds. Like he's not going to be someone who changes your, your franchise there. One guy, I think they did get value on a linebacker out of Alabama, uh, Henry Toa Toa. Uh, I think he could have been a borderline top 100 pick. So getting him in the fifth round at 167, I think there's value there. But man, at the top of the board after CJ Stroud, and why go through all of that? Like, you know, like we're going to take a defender at number two. Uh, Like, I think that has to sort of shake CJ Stroud's confidence. So part of it is also like the process of everything leading up to that pick 
now you're bringing in a guy instead of him being someone who's like really triumphant as the number two, like no doubt pick, he had to go through the mud for a month before you take him number two. So everything about this process was just subpar. So D plus for the Texans. Yeah. And, you know, kind of, it kind of does scream of, you know, okay, we want, we need a quarterback obviously, but then we have this defensive coach. We got to appease him. And, and that seemed like what, you know, was kind of pushing the, the the trade up. And it's funny because last year, I mean, past defense, it just wasn't their main problem. They were 14th in DVOA uh, against the past. They were 20th in sacks, but I mean, in sack rate, but you know, it wasn't like this was, you know, a, a terrible, terrible pass defense. I, I do get, you know, they had issues with the run, but yeah, it, it was kind of a head scratcher just given how much potential draft capital they just gave up uh, j- just to get Anderson. Uh, all right, let's go to the AFC West and uh, let's start with the Las Vegas Raiders, you know, post uh, post Gruden era here. Tyree Wilson is their first round pick out of Texas Tech, the defensive end at seven overall. Uh, and then they get Michael uh, Mayer at tight end in the second round, uh, which I thought was some good value. But what did you think of the Raiders draft? Yeah, B minus, um, nothing wrong with it. And like the highest grade that I'm giving to any of the teams in the AFC West, they just had, I think in general, a pretty mediocre draft a- across the board there. But, you know, Tyree Wilson, great value on getting him at number seven. You know, he potentially could have gone as high as number two, number three. Uh, so getting him at number seven was great. And then, yeah, you mentioned Mayer, great value in getting him uh, at the top of the second round. He potentially could have gone in the first round, widely mocked in the first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, you know, I think after that, that's where the draft was a little more uninspiring. You're taking Alabama defensive tackle Byron Young, probably not even the best guy named Byron Young in this draft. Like he was expected, <laughs> you know, to go after pick 100. And then the real reach at pick 100, Cincinnati wide receiver Trey Tucker took them probably two rounds higher than they needed to. So, you know, they, I think they did well at the top of the draft, but after that they tailed off a little bit. Yeah. You know, I mean, listen, I'm sure Raiders fans will take it because they've had some pretty, pretty bad drafts uh, in years past. I, I still think, and this is probably just more of a continuation of, I didn't love their off season, but I still think defense has, has a ways to go. Um, you know, before it gets yeah. better for the Raiders. Absolutely. And, right? and to just add on to that, uh, I mean, they were widely expected to take a cornerback at number seven. You know, yeah. Christian Gonzalez was on the board there. They didn't address the cornerback position until pick 104. I mean, that cornerback room is one of the worst in the NFL. And they didn't, they really didn't address it. So, like, what are they going to do there? Yeah, it's going to be another one of those years where they're going to have to win with offense. And I mean, you know, McDaniel's offense was pretty shaky at times. So yeah, this team, I'm, I'm not too high on the Raiders, but hope hope they prove me wrong for, for uh, Raiders fans sake. But yeesh. Uh, and it's crazy because you, you're saying they're the best. Uh, they got the best grade out of your the four in the division. So I'm curious to hear where we go from here. Let's go Kansas City next. Uh, they start off with I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. So uh, I'll let you I'll let you take that uh, with their yeah. first round pick out of K-State. Yeah, so I'm giving the the Chiefs a C plus. Uh, they took the edge Felix, uh, no Felix, uh, and Aduke Uzoma, uh, Ooh, you who go. you know that's a little bit of a reach. So the thing is, like with all of these picks, there was just a little bit of a reach, right? They took him at the end of round one. He was probably more like a middle of round two kind of guy. Uh, you know, their their second pick, SMU wide receiver uh, Rasheed Rice. They took him, you know, at the end of the second round there probably more of a third round guy. So nothing wrong with the guys that they took. 
they just reached a little bit. We should include in this that Kadarius Tony uh, is part of this draft class. They traded a third rounder and a sixth rounder for him. I think significant value there. Uh, and then the third round, they took uh, Wania Morris, Oklahoma offensive tackle, who will probably, if he doesn't start right away at right tackle, will at least compete to uh, to start at right tackle. Uh, and so it gives them some good offensive line depth. So like nothing like wrong, nothing like catastrophic with what they did. They just reached a little bit with almost all of their picks. Yeah, I, I'm actually I've been a fan of what Kansas City's been doing lately in the draft. And hey, it paid off in a championship last year. But I feel like on defense, they've just, you know, they've struggled with defense, you know, in this whole kind of Mahomes era. Um, and so they've kind of pivoted to just taking guys with speed and, uh, you know, let, let's see where the chips fall. And, and I think that kind of benefits them when they make these deep playoff runs. And, you know, they may not be the most experienced or the most skilled anymore on defense, or, but they they have guys with speed and quickness and they've been playing all year. And I, I think they improved down the stretch. So they kind of got some more of those guys that I think, you know, even in the on day three that I think could, uh, could, could, could end up paying dividends at some point for them. So I, I don't hate their class either. And uh, it's not like they had ma- massive needs. Uh, coming yeah. off, as long as you have Mahomes, you're going to be straight. So I think the Chiefs draft class. I'll say this: I think you know you said you mentioned it. This whole division kind of had a shaky, you know, uninspiring draft. I think the Chiefs could actually come out. You know, if we regrade this in in two three years as as the team that that had the best class, draft class. Yeah. Yeah, and so they they took some guys who who look good. They just reached a little bit in getting yeah, there. And to compare right. them this year to what they did the two previous years, where I thought they had great drafts, they took guys. Uh, at positions of need who had some great athletic profiles uh, further down the board, right? So like they let the value come to them in those drafts and they were, they were getting guys at value. Whereas in this draft, they were reaching more in comparison to some of your like big board consensus uh, consensus big board. So uh, yeah, not really, I'm not like bashing the chiefs, but just felt like they reached a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's going to be a trend with a lot of the teams picking, you know, near the end of this draft. Cause you know, from what I heard, there's only about, I think about 16, 17 guys with first round grades for most of these yeah. teams. So yeah, when you're, when you're picking at that, that end of that first round, you're probably already dipping into those second round grades. And then as you mentioned, you know, they, they get a wide receiver round two that probably has a third round grade and it kind of uh, butterflies from there. Uh, all right. The charges now, what did, what did you think of, LA, the other LA teams draft, uh, they go wide receiver in the first round. You know, we don't know exactly what's going on with, with Keenan and, and Mike Williams going forward. I mean, they, they seem committed to them, but Eckler's in, in, in kind of a state of, of question here. So they go Quentin Johnston out of TCU at, at 22. What did you think of him? And what did you think of uh, the overall draft for the Chargers? So I'm giving them a, a C. And, uh, you know, think of the Eagles who, you know, we talk about in the NFC pod, you know, they went uh, hardcore for Georgia players, you know, basically taking as many Georgia players as they could. And the Chargers went the opposite route. They, they, they saw the, uh, the championship game for college football and they were like, you know what, let's take as many TCU players as we can. So they took, you know, TCU wide receiver, Quentin Johnson, uh, Johnson, they took his running mate in the fourth round, in the fourth round, Darius Davis. And then they took quarterback Max yep. Dugan in the seventh round. I mean, I, I don't know, like, uh, were these guys watching the same championship game I was? I wasn't super impressed there. But, you know, Quinton Johnston, I would have liked to have seen them get a guy who uh, just doesn't seem quite as redundant yes. with the wide receivers that they already have. 
you know, it's like, okay, congratulations. You got another guy who's like over six, one and over 205 pounds, like find a smaller guy who has some speed. And I guess they did, they did that with Darius Davis, but he's a fourth rounder. I mean, I don't think he's going to come in there and really be, uh, you know, banging for a lot of playing time there. But the good news is with Quinton Johnston, they did find a guy who will probably be able to step in right away and be a starter and then replace Mike Williams and or Keenan Allen when one or both of those guys leave in the following year, you know, because they are at that breaking point in their contract. So, you know, fine on getting Quentin Johnston. Um, and then in the second round, they got uh, an edge rusher out of USC who, you know, was pretty strong. I think there were some questions about like, you know, where exactly does he play? Is he, you know, more of a, a defensive tackle? Is he a true edge? But, uh, you know, they addressed needs. I just don't think they did it in the most straightforward way. Yeah, I mean, Tui, uh, Tui, Tui Pelotu, I think that's how you say his name. Like, I mean, I don't think – because, like, the Chargers, remember, they their, their line in general, just so many injuries last year, and their run defense has been so bad that – I mean, I don't think it matters, you know, where he plays. I think you want kind of versatile guys. So I don't mind yeah. that. But, yeah, I thought the I thought the TCU connection, you know, with, with three different guys was a little, was a little strange and – you know, I, I still worry, but this team just seems like a very fragile team. Like I, maybe this draft helps build their depth, but I don't know a lot. Like you said, there's some redundancies there. They go, you know, two wide receivers. I don't know if they necessarily needed to do two wide receivers in t- the first four picks either. Um, you know, so yeah, I have some questions about, about the chargers draft. I still think they're going to be kind of, they, they, they have a, a good shot at underachieving again, even though the upside with Herbert is always going to be high. Yeah. Um, that, that roster just seems a little fragile to me. Uh, speaking of fragile rosters, we, we got the Denver Broncos and I mean, man, I mean, I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this and we do have a, cu- a couple of minutes since this is going to be the last team uh, we talk about for the pod. So, you know, what do you, what did you think of this team? They only have five picks in the draft. Of course, you know, Sean Payton is part of it. Russell Wilson's part of it. Um, so just give me your kind of overall overview to, you know, not just the draft grade, but just, you know, what do you think of this Broncos team heading into this year, which just, you know, given what's going on at the quarterback and the head coach positions, two of the most important uh, for a franchise, obviously. Yeah. I am skeptical that um, their new head coach, Sean Payton, despite the success that he had previously with Drew Brees, that he is going to be able to quote unquote fix Russell Wilson. Um you know, I think they're just they're different quarterbacks. And I think Russell Wilson is probably at that point in his career where uh, there's there's no rehabilitation that's coming. So uh, I am I'm very skeptical about that team. Uh, I imagine that uh, I'm going to be betting against them in, yes. in various markets. Uh, and in terms of the draft, I mean, D minus, you know, Russell Wilson is a part of this class. Uh, and so if I'm thinking you know, heavily on the Russell Wilson component of this, this is an F, right? But I like the players that they did bring in this year. And so that's why this is only a, a D minus instead of an F. Uh, Marvin Mims as their their uh, second rounder, you know, the first pick that they had, but second rounder out of Oklahoma. Uh, he was a fantastic playmaking wide receiver who I think can line up across the formation. Uh, at some point, I'm expecting, you know, Cortland Sutton and or Jerry Judy is going to be gone. Uh, and I think he steps in right away and can contribute. And then 
uh, linebacker Drew Sanders out of Arkansas. You know, he was a, a five-star recruit who originally went to Alabama uh, as an edge rusher, transferred to Arkansas, and they moved him to off-ball linebacker. But, you know, he's, I don't want to say like got like Micah Parsons capability, but he is that kind of off-ball linebacker who has the size and the athleticism to where they can actually use him as an edge rusher if they want to. And, you know, he was just a dynamic player this past year. And so getting him in the third round at number 67, uh, I think that's tremendous value. And then Iowa cornerback Riley Moss, you know, there are questions about whether he's going to be a corner, whether they they move him to safety, but with the playmaking that he showed at Iowa this past year, I think you at least try him out at cornerback. So I think with those three guys, they got, you know, players who can start for them right away and who have the potential to be significant playmakers. But again, I'm just, I'm so skeptical, you know, like they traded a six rounder for Adam Troutman, like, come on, <laughs> like, what, what he's got to get his guys. What are you doing? It's his here? guy. They'll trade for Taysom Hill at some point when Russell Wilson stinks up the joint. Yeah, you know, so I, I'm just skeptical of this team in general, but I do like the pieces that they added this year in the draft. Yeah, this is this isn't an incomplete. I mean, it, it, it doesn't look good now, but they are in position. I mean, if, if Russ is able to, to take a step forward again and, you know, Sean Payton does instill a culture change. I mean, there's talent on defense. There's talent on offense. Um, and, you know, there's some upside there as well. So tough division to play in. But, um, yeah, this is kind of an incomplete because it's so much is going to depend on uh, on Ken Russell Wilson bounce back. And yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I'm skeptical about of that as well. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that is going to do it for uh, this episode with our AFC draft grades. Uh, big shout, as always, to you, Matthew. Thanks for coming on. Uh, you can find uh, Matthew Friedman, who is the director of content at Fantasy Pros, on Twitter at Matt F. The Oracle. You can find me at Chris Raybon. And be sure to check out our NFC episode, which is also out now. This has been the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. Until next time, let's get this money. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.